0: Patriotism reigning supreme in Arizona as Trump supporters make their voices heard on what they say was a stolen presidential election. Welcome to The Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Glad you're with us. It's Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. All right, just pick your battleground state. We've got lots of election fraud lawsuits and hearings flying all over the place. In short, the Trump legal team is trying to convince state legislatures to do their constitutional duty and choose Trump electors, not Biden electors, based on the gobs of voter fraud evidence and unanswered questions that plague this election. In Michigan today, for example, the state legislature is holding a hearing, and one witness told the committee that all the military ballots that she saw looked like, quote, Xerox copies of each other. And none were registered Michigan voters. And oh, by the way, they were all for Biden. What a shock. Meanwhile, the Trump-Pence campaign put out this statement saying they have filed a lawsuit to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. The recount in the Badger State may be over. But the Trump campaign points to so much fraud and abuse that they believe roughly 220,000 ballots would be affected, plenty more than is needed to change the results there in Wisconsin also on today's show, the stripping pastor. Why did this California pastor decide to turn his church into a strip club? At least for a moment, we talked to the pastor about it. But first, let's turn to the election. That isn't over yet, by the way. The media says it is, but then again, they're the media. So excuse me if tens of millions of Americans are skeptical. I want to bring in Kelly Ward, the chairwoman of the Arizona Republican Party. Uh, Kelly, good to see you, and you're not in Arizona.
1: Hey David, I know you can tell I got my coat. It looks like I'm in Michigan and there's a lot of action happening there, but I'm actually in Washington DC today. Arizona is in my heart. We are fighting for Arizona to make sure that we have election integrity in our state, in our nation and we save our republic.
0: Well, I've got to ask you. You're not in Arizona, so you're in Washington for a reason. What's going on exactly? What are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm get I'm going to take a little visit in December say hello to the president. So I'm pretty excited about it, but I do have to pass my COVID test first. So keep your fingers crossed for me. I'm not sick, but I'm also those I hope it doesn't come
0: this Kelly, what are you going to be talking to the president about? How did that come about? Uh, did the president want to speak to you about some things? Or I know you have a lot to tell him.
1: Yeah, well, I talked to him yesterday about what happened in Arizona uh, right after the, the hearing, basically, after he called into the hearing in Arizona. He's very disappointed in our governor. governor. So by certifying a project, an election, an election that Donald Trump won and won by a lot of votes, like to say. he won by a lot of votes in Arizona as well as in these other uh, contested states. And so uh, we're just going to kind of chat about what's happening in Arizona, what's happening in our country, and how we're going to save this great
0: republic. What's the latest in Arizona? In other words, what's the what's the battle ahead? That the vote technically <laughs> has been certified. So what now, Kelly? Well, three things
1: happened yesterday. Number one, I have a lawsuit where I asked for the ability to examine signatures because the signature verification process in Maricopa County and in Arizona, but mainly in Maricopa County, was horrific. Uh, there were about 2 million mail in absentee early vote ballots, almost 2 million, 1.9 billion, and some change. And they only threw out about 2,000 of those ballots. We heard testimony. Yesterday in the election integrity hearing stating that the uh, the computer said that there was a very low confidence level of the match of those signatures, and we need to be able to see that. So that's happening. And you mentioned the disgusting certification yesterday of this fraudulent election by our Secretary of State Paul called Trump neo-Nazi our governor got sucked right into that swamp and he was elbow bumping with her after certifying this this terrible, terrible uh, miscarriage of got here in our state and in our country. And number three, we did have those election and hearings. We have some strong legislators brought in from Giuliani, and Jenna Ellis and others into Arizona to hear testimony from IT specialists from coal workers who were observing the process or not being able to observe the process from security to show how much doubt is on the validity of this election. The fight is far from over.
0: Okay, so Kelly, I heard most of that. I know the connection's not great, but I did want to follow up on something. If you you can hear me, okay, though, right? Yeah, I can.
1: I can hear you.
0: Okay, let me ask you about uh, something in the Arizona Central. Uh, this is the headline about Rudy Giuliani and what he was doing out there. They said Rudy Giuliani wants lawmakers to seize Arizona's 11 electoral votes. Is he nuts? Uh, what's your reaction to some of that opinion uh, article?
1: Well, the Arizona Republic and Arizona Central are not known for being uh, truth tellers. Let's just, just get right down to it. They are part of the fake news media. What Rudy Giuliani, what Jenna Ellis, what the American people, what the people of Arizona want our legislators to do is to utilize their constitutional power to ensure that a fraudulent, fraudulent election is not solidified. So they need. Send electors to the electoral college that truly reflect the will of the voter, not the fake uh, the election
0: that we saw. So you may have said a little bit about this earlier because the connection is not that great. I want to just double check. How many ballots you're going to have at least access to, what, a few hundred ballots or so from a signature standpoint? Explain this exactly. Well, you might think
1: it would be a couple hundred, but I get to see 100 signatures. Um, that are randomly selected. I hope that some of those are the low-confidence signatures that were testified about yesterday, and I get to see 100 duplicated ballots, so ballots that were either torn or had some kind of problem and were filled in by someone else with the intent of the voter. We get 200 ballots in total out of 2 million. I think it's kind of a needle in a haystack, stack, but hey, it's
0: these do you have any sense at all, Kelly, if the state legislature will, will actually ultimately get involved out there in Arizona? I know they're trying to do that in Michigan and, and Pennsylvania and other places. I mean, that would be a bold move, a constitutional move, but a bold move nonetheless. Well, I think people are elected to make those move whenever they have to.
1: None. And This is one of those cases. The 2020 election cannot stand the way that the media has called because it does not reflect <laughs> the will. of uh, I think our legislature will act. I think uh, we are pouring up a lot of back. There are some that are already wrong. There are others that are uh, influential and and can be educated. There may be a few that are just outliers that don't really care about the republic. Who side with the Democrats more often than the Republicans. And it's going to separate the wheat from the chaff here in Arizona.
0: So how do you think, Kelly, this is all going to shake out ultimately? In other words, if it goes well for Trump, uh, do, do you believe that what's going to end up happening is these state legislatures are going to be the ones that are going to have to basically send up Trump electors uh, rather than Biden electors? How, or, or are you hoping the courts will do something instead?
1: Well, I like that we have a lot of pathways make sure that the election has integrity. There's the legislative path where our legislators can utilize their constitutional power mm-hmm. and, their constitutional mm-hmm. and the right people to the Electoral College. We do mm-hmm. have multiple court avenues to explore inside the state, at the federal level, and even all the way up to the
0: Supreme Court. So it's far from
1: over. Everybody still stay buckled up, stay strong, stay fierce, and remember, we are fighting for our republic.
0: And Kelly, before I let you go, I know it's cold and windy, and the connection's not great, but we're hearing most of what you have to say. I want to ask you about what your message to the president will be. Uh, I know you won't want to reveal maybe all of that, but at least give us the tenor uh, of what you're going to try and convey to the president today.
1: I I want him to know that there are strong people who are fighting on his behalf in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia that we are standing beside him, and we are standing for the rule of law, we are standing for election integrity, and uh, that, you know, don't don't give up. Stand strong. He was put into that office for a time such as this.
0: And just to clear it all up, uh, because you may have said this earlier, but I want to double-check, was it the president? You were on the phone with the president. Did the president invite you there, or did you ask to, to, to meet with him? How did that work out?
1: I just told him I was in town. He said, well, come on over tomorrow. I was like, okay.
0: That sounds pretty much like the president that uh, we, all, we all know for sure. <laughs> Kelly Ward, uh, chairwoman of the GOP out in Arizona, who's in D.C., really appreciate you sticking with us. Thank you so much. All right. She's off of Skype and moving on to, uh, well, whatever you do after Skype, which is real life. And her real life today is going to the White House and meeting with the president of the United States. And as you heard, uh, the president, and he's apt to do this, he does this quite often, Uh, He calls people up uh, kind of willy-nilly and says, what are you up to? What are you hearing? And then he wants to talk to them for a while on the phone. He also wants to invite them in. That's exactly what happened with Kelly Ward today. So isn't it interesting, our first guest out of the shoot today meeting with the president of the United States. And actually, now that I think about it, our guest yesterday, Eric Metaxas, uh, also talked to the president of the United States on the phone. He was interviewing someone else, Doug Mastery Mastriano uh, from Pennsylvania, state legislature a uh, state legislator there. And all of a sudden, the president called in and spoke to Eric Metaxas as well. So, hey, you never know what you're going to get exactly on the show. But clearly, Kelly Ward's message is pretty simple. Uh, the fight is not over. Uh, she wants the president to hear that specifically. She wants uh, th- these Trump supporters around the country to know that. And isn't it interesting that uh, the, the, uh, the election officials in Arizona have certified the results? They've certified him in Pennsylvania. They've certified him in Michigan. They've certified him in Georgia. And yet the, the, the fight is not over. Uh, and once again, that's not analysis. That's fact. Why is the fight not over? Because there are lawsuits pending and there are state legislatures uh, that are now hearing out uh, many of these cases of, of voter fraud. And so I thought what was interesting with Kelly Ward there is she's saying there's two paths. A lot of people think, oh, this is going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court and it'll be decided there. Not that simple. Not necessarily the Supreme Court only. It could be through state legislatures, but they would have to be bold for sure. All right, when we come back, Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition talking about the Senate runoffs in Georgia and the role faith will play down there in the Peach State. We're back in a moment. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Georgia is on my mind. Actually, it's on a lot of folks' minds uh, because basically uh, balance of power in the Senate comes down to Georgia. Two big runoffs down there. And when we saw this headline in the Associated Press, and it said this, it said, Faith takes the forefront as Georgia Senate runoffs heat up. We said, "Hey, hey, that's a segment for The Water Cooler. We've got to get someone on to talk about that. And we found someone better than someone I, if that even makes any sense. Uh, Tim Head uh, with the Faith and Freedom Coalition uh, joins us now. Uh, Tim, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it.
3: Hey, this is great. We really appreciate you uh, bringing this to, to the front of, the, of everybody's mind, uh, David. This is a huge deal and a huge time in Georgia politics, you national know, politics.
0: Well, for sure. And I want to talk about that because down. The, let's start with the Faith and Freedom's efforts down there. I mean, you guys were on the ground big time in the presidential election. But with these runoffs, and, and Georgia's kind of like the epicenter in a way for evangelical uh, turnout. So, talk to me a little bit about what your plans down there are in these two key races.
3: So, uh, you're exactly right. Ge- uh, Georgia has has long been one of the uh, the kind of uh, epicenters of uh, Christian conservative voters, and uh, and, and no uh, no time like the present to demonstrate that. So. Uh, of the five million almost exactly five million voters in the uh, in the in the November election in Georgia uh, about to, it, it as the reason why it's so close right now is because it was almost exactly split 50-50. so about two and a half million votes for Republicans and about two and a half million votes for Democrats with about seven thousand votes separating the two. Uh, so of those two and a half million Republican voters, on our file, almost one point seven million of those uh, are known social conservatives or evangelicals. so that means that, uh, that almost two, a little over uh, two-thirds of the of the vote uh, are um, are evangelical voters and and uh, our task uh, right now is to make sure that none of them stay home so Christmas is behind us we're coming up on Christmas uh, on our uh, Thanksgiving is behind us Christmas and New Year's are, are coming up on us soon um, easy to get distracted easy for us uh, you know for people to kind of get uh, uh, a little bit uh, leery or, or weary of, uh, of political uh, activism, but now is the time for us to really kind of push all the way through uh, the, the finishing line. So we're gonna have about 500,000 voters. Uh, 500,000 voters are gonna get visited by uh, Faith and Freedom Volunteers and paid staff here in the state of Georgia. Uh, and uh, we, were, we also have phone calls being made uh, into the state of Georgia uh, to the tune of about 1 million uh, voters or households are gonna get uh, phone calls. Uh, we have uh, about 3,500 churches that are distributing um, uh, voter guides, and so that'll be uh, a little over 100,000 uh, voter guides that'll be distributed in churches, uh, text messages, text messages, um, yeah. you know, social media posts, uh, you, you name it. We're uh, we're barraging to make sure that nobody overlooks the uh, st- uh, voting, which starts on December the 15th.
0: Tim, let's take a little bit of a deep dive into these two races. You got Kelly Loeffler, the Republican, and you've got David Perdue. Um, Who's got the heavier lift? I mean, what's what's your sense down there in terms of uh, evangelical turnout? Uh, do you see it as about even, or or how how is that going to work exactly?
3: So this is uh, this is really a convergence of like three or four stars aligning. Okay, so you've got uh, an unusual situation where Johnny Isaacson, the former uh, longtime senator, uh, Republican senator here in Georgia, uh, um, uh, uh, retired early uh, last year, and so Kelly Leffler was a was appointed by the governor to, to fill the remainder of that term, which is what uh, now Senator Leffler is doing. Uh, she's being challenged by um, a pastor by the name of Raphael Warnock. Uh, so um, there were 20, uh, I think 17, a total of about 17 candidates in that race. Uh, And then there's a second parallel race that David Perdue, who's the sitting U.S. Senator, uh, is being challenged by John Ossoff, a name that uh, a lot of people uh, might recognize from uh, from a couple of other failed attempts uh, at uh, at running for Congress in Georgia. So two uh, parallel Senate races that, uh, interestingly enough, have different dynamics at play in each of those races. Ah, uh, David Perdue, uh, in in the uh, the the general that we just finished, the general election we just finished, he was about seven thousand votes shy of of tipping over fifty percent. So he got forty nine point nine percent basically of the vote. Uh, so uh, and and he 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 led or he kind of won that race by about two and a half points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, so really, I think that that David Perdue is sitting in a pretty decent position. He has to win, but uh, but he he's. He basically just to, has to kind of reperform exactly right. like he did.
0: But the Loeffler race is interesting because religion, faith has really come up in that, especially with Raphael uh, Warnock being a, an African-American preacher down there at a very uh, big, uh, famous, if you will, church. Uh, and and he's, he's come up against some, a lot of criticism. How much will that hurt him? He said some, some pretty provocative things, uh, a little, some anti-Israel stuff, uh, also about God <laughs> and the military and that you can't serve both. H- how much That's will right. that hurt him?
3: Well, uh, so so on paper, there's a lot to like about uh, about Reverend Warnock uh, until you kind of start digging into what his actual beliefs are. So uh, so when you get past the pleasantries and you start digging into some of the issues that you just enumerated on issue uh, on issues related to uh, to national defense, on issues related to Israel. Uh, I think the most uh, combustible issue is that uh, that he believes uh, he, he, at this point, very proudly, uh, pronounces that reproductive justice, as he uh, likes to refer to it as, uh, is a, is a human right and also is supported biblically, uh, which we couldn't believe uh, we couldn't uh, believe any any more strongly that that is uh, an unbiblical um, uh, position to take. So, uh, so I think the more that uh, that uh, the electorate in Georgia gets beyond just sort of the. Uh, again, sort of the pleasantries and, and the, the veneer, uh, they'll realize that uh, on, on paper he looks good, but on issues uh, he actually is, is almost the opposite of what biblical uh, reality
0: is. Which is interesting because you, you've got, you're you've dealing a lot with uh, conservative evangelical Christians and, and Catholics, and Raphael Warnock might be a pastor, but he's coming from a much different vantage point. That makes an interesting dynamic.
3: Very interesting dynamic, and uh, and so uh, you know to to her credit, uh, Kelly Loeffler has uh, in in basically her one year in the Senate, she has a very strong voting record. Her rhetoric uh, matches that voting record. She is pro-life. Uh, she's supportive of Israel. She's certainly supportive of, uh, of a, a strong national defense. Uh, you know some uh, some some uh, core tenets that we believe are are not only good policy but also. Um, really um, are, are uh, drawn from biblical uh, orthodoxy. So, uh, so we believe that, uh, that both David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, uh thankfully, um, align well with the, the policy positions of Faith and Freedom Coalition.
0: About 10 or 15 seconds left. You think evangelicals are the ones that pull them both over the finish line?
3: Just like, uh, just like we saw in the general election across the country, uh, the, the core, the bedrock of the Republican Party, ironically, right now is the faith vote. It, uh, there just is, there's no empirical way around this. Uh, when 60% of the Republican Party and almost 40% yeah. of the entire electorate in Georgia are Christians, I think that's what makes the difference.
0: Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition. Always great to see you again, Tim. I really appreciate your time. Thanks.
3: Thanks so much, David.
0: All right, that's great. Uh, When we come back, uh, Paul Farhi, a friend of the show. We have so many friends of the show from The Washington Post. The media
2: in a moment.
0: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, We want to bring in, uh, we're going to call him a friend of the show. I mean, I don't know if he considers himself a friend of the show, but we consider him a friend of the show. Paul Farhi, the media reporter from The Washington Post, joining us uh, every week. I mean, I wish we could, uh, I don't know, can we send you something, Paul, a bumper sticker? Uh, Thanks for being here.
4: Lovely food basket would do just fine right about. Thank you.
0: Okay, Uh, Madison, the fruit basket, please. If we could get right, Madison says she's on it. Uh, Hey, uh, Paul, let's talk a little bit about what the Washington Post reported uh, this week. Uh, This is their headline. They say Biden chooses an all female senior White House press team. And then, of course, Kaylee McEnany uh, pushed back on that and said, uh, Hey, uh, oh, by the way, oh, she didn't say that. I said that. She said, President Donald Trump already has an all-female senior White House press team. So does VP, so does FLOTUS, so does Second Lady. The completely discredited Washington Post once again reveals their blinding propagandist fake news, is I, mean, I hate that word anyhow, so many syllables. Uh, what is your take on the kerfuffle this week on all of that?
4: Well, it's a kerfuffle created by Kayleigh McEnany. Um, it, it, there's nothing fake news about it. There's no blinding propaganda involved here. The story was accurate. The headline was accurate. Biden has named an all female communications team. It's not to say that uh, President Trump didn't have women uh, on his communications staff, certainly a fact. And it's true, but that doesn't negate the story. And I think she's created a straw man that uh, she is running against and and, uh, attacking The Washington Post unfairly uh, based on facts that aren't in existence.
0: Paul, I think the the concern, uh, and Kelly's bringing up this idea of all female senior White House press team, she's talking obviously about herself and Alyssa Farah, uh, and, and even on the on the president's, uh, or excuse me, the vice president's team, and, and you can go on down the list, there are, there are women all at the top in senior positions. There are a couple males for sure. But, but I think the, the issue, and I'm not gonna speak for her, but I'll just say my analysis of the situation is, the, the Washington Post, and not just the Washington Post, but the media outlets typically don't do the rah-rah Trump story, the historic, look at Donald Trump. Uh, you know, I mean, he's been very, very good with promoting females in his administration uh, at Senior Center. We didn't really get those stories much from the media, but but here we go with the Biden uh, stories. Well-
4: much because they evolved over some period of time, including four years. You'll remember the first uh, press secretary for President Trump was Sean Spicer, not a woman. And uh, eventually he got to Sarah Sanders. He had Stephanie Grisham, and then he hired uh, Kayleigh McEnany. So it wasn't an all at once situation. He had several different communications directors, including Sean Spicer. Uh, again, this is this doesn't negate the current story. Joe Biden is hiring these people from the start. Um, you know, I'd, I'd switch the conversation a bit and say, what does it matter? You know, women obviously are competent to do many different things. Um, aren't we past the point of worrying too much about whether a man is in a job or a woman is in a job? Um, it's a little bit different, but it it's not necessarily uh, in any way dissing uh, the Trump White House for Biden to make the statement of hiring all women to run his communications team.
0: Paul, I want to switch gears and ask about a real simple question that obviously going to be, uh, we're going to have to dig deeper on it, but, you know, where has the media been in all of the voter fraud coverage? Uh, you know, Look, you can't find that that Arizona hearing uh, that some conservative networks broadcast. You didn't see it on CNN, MSNBC. You didn't even see it on Fox. I, I, I mean, n- none of the major networks are covering this. Uh, the, the Washington Post, the New York Times—it's it's not even a mention. May, maybe it's a line in a story. Maybe, uh, but but there's no real reporting going on on any of this. And my question is, why not? I mean it is news after all. And if you don't, not you, but if, but if the media doesn't believe any of this stuff is going to amount to anything anyhow, and this is just a big circus act, I mean, honestly, with all due respect, so what? I I mean, in other words, it's an event that's happening. The Trump legal team is there. That's called news. Any way you slice it.
4: Uh, Well, it's not called news. Any way you slice it. Why not though? Why not? Because the news is about facts and putting those facts. But
0: but, th- in- but, Paul, real quick, those people that were testifying, they were presenting evidence. It's not the media's job to say whether or not there's what there's. But it's not their job to say if it's true or not. It's a hearing that's going on that's called by state legislators.
4: Yeah, it's, it's the media's job to find out facts that are, in fact, true, not to take baseless claims and present them as if they possibly are true. Uh, we certainly covered. President Trump's statements about the election. We've covered the hearings uh, in which uh, state legislatures have have examined these claims. We've talked to all of the secretaries of state. We've talked. We've covered the the legal decisions. None of this stands up. So it's not our job to tell you things that aren't true. It's to tell you the things that are true. And we can't find the evidence to support the claims that are being made by the president of the United States about the election.
0: So, Paul, there was a U.S. district judge. This is a U.S. district judge. This is not a, you know, a judge in Podunk, Iowa, anywhere. A U.S. district judge in Georgia who has temporarily put a halt to the scrubbing, if you will, or the, the clean slate of the of the Dominion voting system uh, hardware and software down there in Georgia, and they're going to have a hearing on Friday. That That's a pretty significant development uh, because, once again, it's a U.S. district judge uh, saying that. But instead, we don't hear any of that in the media. It's just not reported. You have to really Uh, search and find it.
4: Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You certainly will find that reported. You're just Not in the
0: Washington Post, though.
4: Arguing about how prominently reported that is and making a bigger deal out of it according to whatever standards you want to apply to it. The fact of the matter is, is that news has been reported. How do you know about it unless it was reported? Uh, what what you're simply arguing is that it should have been the lead story somewhere, should have had a big headline somewhere. That's a judgment made by editors, and frankly, I support what the—, the the lack of prominence for that story, it's not as big a deal as you're, as you're
0: claiming. But Paul, just to be clear, I mean, I had to break a sweat to find the story. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I really did. I mean, in other but, words, you're, you're not getting that. Uh, the stories at the Washington Post and the New York Times and others, they were talking about a Third Circuit appeals judge in Pennsylvania striking down a Trump. I, look, I get that, that's news. I'm not saying don't cover it, you gotta cover that. But the, but the Trump legal victory in Georgia by a US Circuit judge, nowhere to be found in those same papers.
4: Uh, it, it, is, it was covered in those same papers, again, just, look not, at that. just not to the extent that you think might be uh, worthwhile. Okay. Uh, listen, editors make these judgments every single day. Yeah. They are in the context of the, the larger totality of the story. President Trump and his legal team have run. been getting getting hammered in the courts. Therefore, there's no reason to believe that. This-
0: okay. Fair enough, Paul Farhi. Great to see you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for answering that. I really do appreciate that.
2: Thanks. All right, we're back in a moment with more show. Welding instructor Alex DeClair knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go, look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
0: And hey, welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right. When you think of COVID, why don't we put another C word there? Crazy. COVID crazy. People have gone COVID crazy. Uh, look, in California, let me give you an example. Uh, you want to go to a strip club? Knock yourself out. They're open. There it is. The Washington Free Beacon, California, is set to reopen strip clubs before churches. So, you know, go to church indoors. No, sorry, can't do that. Go to a strip club, knock yourself out. Uh, So Pastor Rob O'Coy, Godspeed Calvary Chapel uh, out there in Southern California had a novel idea. You know what? Why not turn the church into a strip club so he can open the church in a kind of funny, joking way? Here's him from about a week ago. Take a look.
5: Can not America see the hypocrisy and the stupidity of all this? You're being lied to, and we are finished with your tyranny, and we are going to enjoy Thanksgiving, and we're going to worship God. (laughs) Open your churches. Go back to church. Open
0: businesses. Take off the mask. Uh, Take off the mask. Uh, Pastor Rob McCoy uh, with us now uh, from Godspeed Calvary Chapel. Uh, Pastor Rob, great to see you, sir.
5: You too, David. Bless you, man.
0: Well, I got to ask you, uh, talk to me about that that concept of where it came from and and, and how it all kind of developed. My my goodness. And I hope the tie is in a safe place.
5: Yeah, it's
0: right here. I'm going to send it to you. Good, good. Send a FedEx. (laughs) I'll bill you.
5: All right. Uh, it it started, my my wife and I saw uh, one of my heroes, Governor Huckabee, on a news program, and he was saying, you know, a pastor should take off his tie and and call it a strip club, and that way they get to have church out there in California. Well, we were already doing it, but I thought, you know, I love the way Huckabee thinks, and I, I just thought, my wife said, you should do that, and I, I said, okay, so we did it on the Sunday, and I took my tie off, and you know, I, I defied the governor when he said the church wasn't essential and we opened the church for communion on Palm Sunday. And then we got a restraining order from a judge that we've been in violation of and we've been fined. Uh, we've been wide open since May 31st. You do all that stuff and no one really cares, but I tell you what, you take your tie off on a Sunday, and you end up on news programs. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right, including this one. Uh, Rob, let me ask you a little bit about uh, the, the way forward there in California. I mean, Gavin Newsom's going backward. I mean, we've crowned him here uh, uh, at the water cooler as King Newsom, uh, for sure. As a matter of fact, there you go. We put that we put the crown on him and everything. Uh, what's going on out there in crazy California?
5: Well, you're, you're a little bit more kind than I am. I call him Governor Mussolini. <laughs> uh, it's complete hypocrisy. The man has dinner at the French laundry restaurant with 22 people, shoulder to shoulder, no mask. Uh, the bar bill was $15,000. It was on our tax dollar. He, um, I mean, it's a three-star Michelin restaurant. The, the appetizers are 400 bucks a plate. That, that's the average cost of a, of a welfare check uh, for, for one of the citizens in California. And now he's put us in what's called the perpetual purple zone where he's locked down the whole state. And it's, it's complete insanity. And he says, it's because we've had a rise in positive tests. Positive test isn't a positive case.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and, and we already know the tests are weak at best. So positive tests, not positive cases. Here in our own county, Ventura County, we haven't had, we haven't had a COVID death since November 3rd. Our hospitals aren't overrun. We have plenty of ventilators, plenty of hospital beds, but we have all these new positive tests, not positive cases, positive tests. That's not a way to run the state. And, and though one 100th of 1% death rate in our county,
2: mm-hmm.
5: that's, that's the, the uh, IFR fatality rate. Yeah. Here's the worst part, what they've done to us with their tyrannical measures, they've destroyed our economy. 65% of the restaurants in our, in our county will never reopen. Our abused have to be quarantined with their abusers. Uh, they, they, our, our kids can't even go back to school yet. And we don't have, I mean, this is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're doing to us. And it's just stupid. And they say it's based on science. Really? You, 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 you do a quarantine from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m.? What's the science on that? Right. Is COVID nefarious only during you know, the hours of 10 p.m. to 5 a.m.? This is complete stupidity, and it's a power grab, and he has violated the Constitution he swore to defend.
0: Well, Pastor Rob, let me ask you, for people that don't understand your situation, your church's situation, so so out in California, if you want to worship outdoors, I guess, what? Knock yourself out, but indoors, no deal? And you've you've been at the leading edge of all of this.
5: Yeah, they, they want to put us out, outside in the middle of the winter, and that's real healthy. Um, and and they they violate the First Amendment because they think that, that uh, a virus that has a 0.05 fatality rate is justification to infringe on our inalienable rights in the First Amendment. Uh, we we're not putting up with the tyranny, and and so we we're we're wide open. We're worshiping the Lord. We don't have masks. We don't do social distancing. We already know the masks. There's there's no empirical data for masks. No empirical data for social distancing. Even if you're following the narrative that you know the fake media wants to put out there. But we're worshiping God, and we're going to continue to do that. And they can fine us, but they'll never see a dime of that money. They can put us in jail, but they're never going to see a dime of that money.
0: Where is this going eventually? i got about 30 seconds left or so. Where, where, how concerned are you as to where this country is headed and what is happening under Newsom and, quite frankly, the, a lot of other governors around the country?
5: You know, liberty isn't man's idea. It's God's idea. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Second Corinthians 3, 17. If the churches don't open up and start standing upon liberty, like the Apostle Paul said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. We're going to be in trouble because the church is supposed to be the moral backbone of this nation. Churches can't yield to this tyranny. They have to push back against it.
0: Pastor Rob McCoy, great to see you. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to call you the striptease pastor, even though I just did. Uh, but, but hey, look, you, you got to start somewhere, I guess.
5: Hyperbole works.
0: <laughs> pastor Rob, really appreciate it. Thanks for st- taking a, a brave f- front out there, brave standout in California. Thank you, David. God bless you. All right, appreciate it. Rob McCoy, known him for a long time, actually. Uh, salt of the earth guy. Is that, can I say salt of the earth? Why not? Salt-of-the-earth guy out there in California. All right, when we come back, the last sip, we've got a few things to say about Andrew Cuomo. We just talked about Gavin Newsom, but Andrew Cuomo is watching you. If you're at a wedding, at dinner, on a bus, back in a moment.
2: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
0: Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. And this one, here's to you, uh, Mario. Did I say Mario Cuomo? Sorry, I thought about his father, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York. I tell you, he's a piece of work. Uh, what's shut down in New York? Uh, You know, pretty much everything. Uh, And oh, by the way, you know, you can't have gatherings of 10 people or or more in your house. Uh, He's fine in synagogues left and right. It's crazy. And now we've got a window sticker. It's the 11th guest Cuomo window sticker. It aims to bring humor to new COVID mandates. What do we mean by the 11th guest Cuomo window sticker? Well, let's show you. Uh, It is done by the Zoom Buffalo folks. This is on their website. Uh, The creepy Andrew Cuomo is always watching you. For anyone that wants to make sure their family only has the proper amount of guests during the holidays, get your Andrew Cuomo 11th guest sticker. Uh, That is pretty impressive, pretty creepy as well. And we thought to ourselves, hmm, Andrew Cuomo is kind of like everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere, like maybe even in the Oval Office. What if Donald Trump is doing some work and then all of a sudden Andrew Cuomo is there in the Rose Garden behind him? You don't know where Andrew Cuomo is at any point during this COVID experience. I mean, there's more. What about Andrew Cuomo, for example, there he is, he's at Thanksgiving dinner. You can barely see him, but trust me, he's there, and he's by the window for sure. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Andrew Cuomo is not just there, but we know he's been uh, concerned about uh, weddings, the Hasidic Jewish community. Well, there he is. He's popping up at Hasidic Jewish weddings. You can see him in the crowd. I don't know if he got an invite. Uh, and then, of course, he's monitoring uh, rush hour traffic in New York. Uh, he's there in the car looking up at the bus Andrew Cuomo literally everywhere. And that is uh, a little bit creepy. Anyhow, uh, we're, we're very excited uh, to know uh, that Andrew Cuomo is... Uh, he's literally everywhere. This is the 11th guest here at the water cool. Why is he coming closer to me? Hold on for a second. Anyhow, look, I don't need... What? This is the water cooler. This, this pretty much sums up the water cooler. You take a screenshot...
2: After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows.
0: Well, welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. That's my new ring tune, ring tune? Ring tone, by the way, uh, the, the theme from the water cooler. That's narcissistic. Uh, joining me now, Sophie Mann from justthenews.com. Hello, Sophie. Oh,
6: hi, David. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you.
0: Um, you always have a story. I mean, not not a personal story or a journey. I just mean you have a story to tell me that's going on on just. It is my, time. my job.
6: Um,
2: <laughs> oh no, so, so, my bad.
6: Yeah. So today, yeah. the story that I have for you Thank is you. that um, Georgia Senate candidate Raphael Warnock, who mm-hmm. is, as you know, running in this runoff contest between him and incumbent GOP Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was appointed, um, has been linked to a new investigation from the Georgia. Secretary of State uh, Brad Raffensperger, who's been under some fire recently mm-hmm. for, for some issues about the recount, but he announced Monday that the, his office is opening a probe into four voter registration outreach companies about the way that they conducted their business ahead of the 2020 election. So this one specific company called the New Georgia Project, which was founded by one-time failed gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams um, a couple of years ago, was until recently run by Raphael Warnock. He was the CEO until February 2020. And this is one of the companies that is being looked at for illegal practices in terms of how they reach out to voters. So specifically, what this company is in trouble for at the moment, or allegedly in trouble for at the right. moment, is um, sending voter registration applications to people who don't live in Georgia, which is illegal huh. or may be illegal under Georgia state law. So they were sending them to you know people like me who who I live don't in New live York, in technically, Georgia. yeah, and um, they that is not illegal. I mean, illegal legal rather. It's mm-hmm. not legal to do that, um, and. In the past, this is this is not the first time that this company has been looked at for outreach that is illegal and not exactly kosher in terms of how you get votes during an election. <laughs> um, but they've always brushed it aside. Stacey Abrams has, you know, talked about it as more voter suppression tactics. Uh, Warnock himself has called it alarmist. He said there's no reason to use the terminology voter fraud, which is a very technical argument against why this isn't true. Yeah, really. But um, but yeah. So we'll see what that leads to, but I mean the interesting thing about this really from an analytic perspective is that Raffensperger, um, who is a Republican, you yeah. know, is coming out these past couple of weeks saying there was no problem with the Georgia election. Right. Um, there was no massive voter fraud. not th- Everything was fine and the recounts are going perfectly. And yet he's also opening these investigations that 100 percent indicate something else.
0: Yeah. Another uh, notch on the list of complaints by Trump supporters against yeah. the secretary of state, Yeah. this Republican secretary of state. Mm-hmm. All right, Sophie, great to see you. Good to see you. All right. Uh, that does it. We're just literally out of time. We would continue if we could, but we can't. See you tomorrow on the show.